0: Arsenal start their Premier League campaign with a victory, but the mood is dampened by an injury to Uri Timber and a nervy finish. This is the Chronicles of Aguna, our first post-match podcast of the season. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90-min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. On this edition, we're going to be looking back on Arsenal's first Premier League game of the season. It ended in a victory, courtesy of goals from Eddie Nketiah and Bukayo Saka. But there was a nervy finish at the end. that has got some people asking questions. And of course, there was an injury sustained by Yuri and Timber one that looks like it could potentially be quite serious. We're going to break it all down. We're going to look back on the game. We're going to get you guys' thoughts as well from the live chat on our first post-match podcast of the season. Um, Really, really looking forward to breaking it down, to speaking with you guys. And um, yeah, I kind of, I went to the game and obviously I, I was happy with the way the first half went. I thought the beginning of the game, was just a little bit slow. It looked like the first game of the season, people trying to get up to speed, people not quite at 100%. And then Arsenal clicked. And once Arsenal clicked, it looked like one-way traffic. And then the second half, when we came back out after the break, it just felt a little bit underwhelming. And I wasn't actually that surprised. Despite Nottingham Forest creating practically nothing, I wasn't that surprised when they pulled the goal back. And at the fact that it all became a little bit too nervy for most of our liking but look we're going to break it all down we're going to get into it and I can't wait good to see so many of you in the live chat box thank you all uh, for thank you all for joining me on this Saturday evening I'm not sure exactly what happened there but my mic I think just cut out for a second hope uh, you can all hear me now looks like it's all good again uh, which is positive news. Of course, I think I'm going to take these headphones out. I don't think they are helping uh, my situation too much. Hold on a sec. Let's try and fix this. Oh, for God's sake. Of course, something's going to go wrong. Here we go. That might be okay. I think that's bearable. Anyway. Okay. Uh, let's do this. Let's um. Let's get into it. Uh, let's start off by uh, talking about what happened pre-match because the pre-match preparation wasn't exactly great, was it? Uh, the game was delayed by half an hour due to some issues um, outside of the stadium. Now, for those of you that aren't members or aren't season ticket holders, you might not know this, but what Arsenal have done this season is they have decided to go to e-ticketing only, right? So last season, we all had our season tickets. We could download the passes on our phones if we wanted, use Apple Pay and the likes, of course, on the Android phones. And you So you could get in that way or you could use the card, the old school, traditional way, tap the card, get in. Anyway, for me, particularly last season, because I was working so much and I was at so many of the games as media, I didn't use my season ticket that often. Um, and as a result, you know, I passed it on to my brothers and, and whatever. And it was really, really easy with the cards because I was able to just give my brother the card and I didn't have to think about it then. It was all done and dusted this season the club have gone to e ticketing only right which means you can only download it on your phone and you can only enter with the ticket on your phone if you're a member or a season ticket holder and so what i've had to be doing is is going online and what i had to do ahead of this game was go online and transfer my ticket to my brother's membership so that he could download it on his phone. Basically, it was all a massive faff, right, in the build-up to the game. And I know a lot of people have had the same problem, particularly in instances where you've got family members sharing season tickets, and that happens a lot. Look, it's a big financial investment. I understand that there are a lot of people that do share the cost with somebody else, split the games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but You know, when we heard it was going to e-ticketing, that kind of annoyed me because that just made that whole process that little bit more difficult. But then when you see how it operated today, I mean, what an absolute shambles. It was 20 past 12, I think, and I was standing in the press box with Tom Canton and we were looking around and we were going, what on earth is going on? Why aren't there enough people in the stadium? Normally by this point, look, there will always be those late stragglers that have one too many down the pub and make their way over slowly and all the rest of it and take their time. But on this occasion, there was clearly something wrong. And Tom, to his credit, before it was announced, told me, I reckon the game's going to get delayed. Because then we started to see pictures on our monitors of thousands and thousands of Arsenal fans stuck outside the ground, desperately trying to get in. Um, And all the rest of it. So, yeah, it was um, not the ideal start to the afternoon. I know I'm moaning about it from a fan's perspective, but I think from a player's perspective as well, you know, you've got your pre match routine. You go out there, you warm up, you go back into the changing room ready to come out and play the game. And then all of a sudden, you're told the game's been delayed, which means not only physically do you have to look after yourself in terms of, you know, making sure that you don't get cold and pick up an injury and all the rest of it when you do eventually start the action. But you also mentally are building yourself up to the kickoff time. You're getting your s- sort of psyche ready and then you've got to strip it back because you're going to have to wait an extra, um, <laughs> uh, you know, an extra half an hour. So not ideal preparation. And um, and I think that maybe had a bit of an impact on the start of the game, if I'm being completely honest with you, because it was a bit slow. Uh, it did look like a, a first game of the season in terms of people not quite being... up to speed and all the rest of it. Um, And it took Arsenal a little bit of time to click. Um, Just on the team selection, I think that's worth a section because this uh, divided a lot of opinion. This caught a lot of people off guard, myself included. I was really, really surprised when I saw the team selection uh, because I certainly didn't see this coming. I thought after the Community Shield win, the likelihood was that Mikel was going to pick the same 11. I thought that 11 played really well. I thought there was a really good balance to that side. And I felt like against the side like Nottingham Forest, who were expected to play uh, with a low block and try and frustrate us, which is exactly what they did. They started with five at the back. I thought, actually, you could just push Declan Rice that, further, that bit further forward. I did wonder if there was any chance of Kai Havertz playing in the role that he ended up playing in, and if that meant that maybe one of Rice or Partey would be sacrificed um, in order to give us that slightly more Uh, attack-minded midfield, and instead what Mikel did was put Thomas Partey in at right-back. Now, Thomas Partey was playing at right-back when we were defending, but obviously was stepping into the midfield when we were in possession. The idea was to create those overloads and to put people in the right areas uh, that we needed to occupy if we were going to break this side down based on the way that they were going to defend. And I did ask Mikel Arteta this in his post-match press conference, because if you remember... Yesterday, there were rumors flying around that Gabriel had an injury problem or that there was some sort of concern around his fitness. And I just wondered if that had played some part in Mikel's decision to leave him out of the team. You know, obviously, it was a tactical thing and it looked like a tactical thing. But I just wondered, given those rumors and given that, you know, Gabriel was ultimately the one that was sacrificed rather than Saliba, I wondered if there was something in that. And I asked Mikel Arteta after the game and he said, nope it was purely tactical. He talked about the fact that they needed to fill certain areas in the midfield. That was a part of their game plan and all the rest of it, etc, etc. There's a bit of experimentation going on still. You do feel that, don't you, uh, with this Arsenal side? And it was one of the reasons why I said in pre-season that I didn't feel as confident going into the campaign as I did last time around. Uh, because we just don't seem as settled at the moment. You know, we we don't seem settled in the left-back position. We've lost Yuri and Timber now, and we're going to come on to talk about that a little bit later on. We're currently without Zinchenko. There was no place for Kieran Tierney in the side full stop today, not even on the substitutes bench. And while the game was going on, Fabrizio Romano was putting out sort of updates about the fact that Real Sociedad have been in touch with Arsenal and they're hoping to do a deal to take Kieran Tierney on loan for the rest of the season. Although Arsenal, he says, are pushing for a permanent deal. So there is a little bit of uncertainty in some positions. You know, is Kai Havertz going to play as the left eight on a regular basis? I thought he was going to start up front today, I have to say, after the way he played against Manchester City and given that we were without of course, uh, Gabriel Jesus again. Mikel Arteta spoke after the game about Eddie Nketiah. He said he trained like a beast. He said he he put me in a position where, uh, you know, I I would be blind if I didn't pick him. Or or he said, you know, if I basically Mikel Arteta said, and I'm paraphrasing, he trained so well, it was almost saying to me, if you don't pick me, you are blind boss, because that's how well he's been training so far. Uh, Sorry, in recent days. Listen, Eddie Nketiah probably feels that extra bit of mo- motivation, knowing that uh, Gabriel Jesus is out, knowing that that means he's got a, a greater chance of being in the side. But then also looking at Kai Havertz, who come into the team and did so well uh, against Manchester City just a few days ago, that would have lit a rocket, wouldn't it, up Eddie Nketiah's backside. I know he came on and did quite well, I thought, in the community shield and played a big part actually in us just building that little bit of momentum in the lead up to the equalising goal. But yeah, it was a really, really interesting team selection. Um, when I heard there was one change, because you kind of get, when you're getting the team news come through, right, you get given a team sheet in the in the press box. There's no positions on the team sheet. you got to look through it and you've got to work it out yourself. That's probably why, as some of you have pointed out, Sky, I think, or, or BT, whoever was broadcasting the game, I think it was BT. I don't know if Sky had it uh, like this as well. But people had Declan Rice, for example, playing at centre-back. Some had Thomas Partey at centre-back. The truth was when you watched the game and you saw how they lined up, the way it started was Thomas Partey playing at right back, but tucking into that midfield position uh, when we were without the ball. Uh, Sorry, when we were on the ball, he didn't go back into the right back position as frequently as maybe Zinchenko would go back into the left position had the inversion been taking place on the other side. But that was the general idea of it. And um, yeah. It was uh, it was a surprise. So we lined up as follows: it was Ramsdale in goal, uh, White, Saliba, and Timber uh, were the three out-and-out defenders on the pitch. Thomas Partey was a makeshift right back at times. The midfield trio was Declan Rice, Martin Odegaard, and Kai Havertz, and then the front three was Saka, Martinelli, and Enketia. Now. I talk about there being uncertainty, experimentation, and the fact that that is going to mean that from time to time, we're not going to perform to our maximum while people are still finding their feet. And, you know, that applies to a number of players that were in this side today. So Thomas Partey, number one, Urien Timber still not really a left back, no matter what people say. Declan Rice played in an eight position last weekend and is playing as a six this weekend or more like a six this weekend. Eddie and Ketia, Um, comes back into the side as an out-and-out striker. Kai Havertz, who uh, played a forward uh, role against Manchester City, now dropping back into the midfield. So when you make these changes, there are going to be teething problems. And it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, for us to see the best of Arsenal this season. But as long as we're picking up results along the way, then we can kind of live with that. And the other thing is, you know, we definitely peaked too early last season. So there is an element of not wanting that to be the case. Um, you know, too so, too soon in this campaign. But yeah, look, it, it wasn't the greatest performance for large periods. And we'll come on to break down the performance in a minute. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Eddie and Ketia. We're going to talk Bakayo Saka. We're going to discuss that Urian Timber injury and the kind of feeling I got actually uh, from being in and around the mix zone and speaking to Mikel Arteta in the radio room directly after the game. Were Arsenal complacent in the second half? Is that why we allowed Nottingham Forest back into the game? We're going to discuss that as well. Could Mikel Arteta have made some substitutions just that little bit earlier? And we'll also uh, look into Kai Havertz's uh, performance in a little bit more detail as well, because I know he is one that is going to divide opinion throughout the duration of the season. Before we go on, though, if I could just ask, could you please leave a like on the video? That really 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 does help uh, there are loads of you with us live right now we've only got 50 likes on the board which is nowhere near enough also if you haven't done so already please do subscribe to the channel as we continue on route towards 30,000 000 subs uh, but i'm going to do something a little bit different we're going to take a really really short pause and what i'm going to do is play you some audio uh from the game today because of course i was covering the game and uh bbc london captured all three goals so uh going to take a short pause enjoy Uh, Arsenal 2 Nottingham Forest 1
1: For Arsenal Looking to take on his man Brilliant energy From Martinelli Inside to Nketiah He makes room For the shot And scores Eddie Nketiah Finds the breakthrough For Arsenal A wonderful goal Created by Gabriel Martinelli On the left hand side But when he worked it Inside to Eddie Nketiah He made no mistake With the finish He shifted it out of his feet Only had one thing On his mind And fires past Matt Turner To put Arsenal in front Arsenal 1, Nottingham Forest 0. Now Saka on the edge of the box, can he make room for the shot? He does, and Bukayo Saka scores a screamer. Arsenal are 2-0 up. Bukayo Saka with a wonderful effort from the edge of the box. He curled it into the far corner. And Matt Turner on the stretch could do nothing about it. Arsenal 2, Nottingham Forest 0. Driving down the left-hand side, he's done really well here Elanga. He'll get to the byline Elanga. Low ball across the penalty area and Awanihi turns one in. The two substitutes combine and Nottingham Forest are back in this with around about eight minutes of normal time to play.
0: Do I sound a bit biased? I probably do but hey you put me on on uh, on Arsenal games that's what you're going to get uh, unfortunately but yeah really really uh, enjoyed particularly the first half the last 20 minutes of it especially and um, and always a privilege uh, to cover an Arsenal game so a big thanks to the team uh, at BBC Radio London for giving me the opportunity as they did last season as well I'm so lucky uh, to be able to continue uh, doing the job that I love and and covering the club that I love as well. But anyway, uh, let's break it down then. Let's start off. So we've talked about the lineup. Um, we've talked about maybe some of the reasoning behind those decisions. Um, Mikel Arteta, as I say, just kind of hinting that he felt that that was a necessary move to kind of Deal with Nottingham Forest's style and the fact that they were going to play with a back five and be really compact. And the problem is, when you set the bar the way Arsenal did last season, more and more teams are going to try and do this to us. And we need to find different solutions. We need to find different ways of breaking these types of low blocks down. And Mikel Arteta is going to have to experiment at various points to be able to do that. And you can say pre-season is for experimentation, and you can say you know, that you shouldn't be doing this in the Premier League and all the rest of it. But the pro- the, the problem is, like, when you go away and you play pre-season friendlies against, I don't know, um, Barcelona, Manchester United, you're not going to come up against that. You're not going to face those same challenges. So almost you're kind of limited to doing that experimentation in real game situations, which is a little bit frustrating when it doesn't work. But I think we all just need to be a little bit patient and understand that this is not Arsenal. Um, at their best yet. This is not Arsenal at their peak yet. Mikel Arteta is constantly involving this team and it's going to take a a bit of time. As I mentioned, the first 20 minutes, I thought it wasn't quite right. It was just a little bit slow in terms of the way we were moving the ball, Um, but we needed to be patient. And I did say in the preview show that there would be points and there would be times in this game, given the way we knew that Nottingham Forest were going to set up, that we needed to show a bit of patience. And then Eddie Nketiah's goal comes and It all stems from Nottingham Forest failing to clear a corner properly. I think it was a corner from the right-hand side that Saka took. When the ball made its way out to the left, it was a poor uh, bit of play from Nottingham Forest. And then uh, sort of a few seconds later, Martinelli ends up in this position on the left-hand side where he runs up against two players. Wonderful bit of skill to go in between them. Look, it was a great piece of skill from Gabriel Martinelli. What I will say is I don't think he meant For that to be an assist, I think it was very much a turn that he was hoping to get back on the end of. But nevertheless, it's a brilliant piece of skill. It draws in a couple of players. And when the ball broke to Eddie Nketiah, the most encouraging thing for me here was that he showed a killer instinct. There was no, there was nothing else in his mind other than I need to make room and I need to get the shot off. That was literally the only thing going through Eddie Nketiah's mind. And he drops the shoulder, beats the one man, makes a bit of space, etc., etc., fires it towards goal. It takes a little bit of a deflection, which wrong foots Matt Turner in goal and into the back of the net it goes. And that is Nottingham Forest's game plan out of the window. And that's why it's so important to score the first goal and hopefully score an early goal when you come up against sides that only have one intention, which is to frustrate, which is to drive you crazy, which is to... Um, you know, which is to try and hang in there as long as possible. And look, at the end of the day, I think Eddie Nketiah just needed that little bit of luck with the deflection on the shot. I thought he was really good when he came on against Man City the other day. And, you know, that goal, getting it in his first start of the season will do him the world of good. And I read a really interesting stat. That's 14 goals in his last 16 starts at Emirates Stadium for Eddie Nketiah. So when he starts, he normally scores, and he normally has an impact on the game. Um, you know, I, I just, for me with Eddie Nketiah, there's clearly something that Mikel Arteta sees on a daily basis. Maybe it's his attitude. Maybe it's his work rate. Maybe it's just what a great lad he is, that puts him in a higher regard for Mikel Arteta than we will ever know. And I, and I know sometimes we look at it and we go, oh, I don't know what Eddie brings to the table. I don't know if he's good enough. He's okay, but is he at the level we need him to be in terms of really impacting games for us on a weekly basis? Is he at such a high level that when we're without Gabriel Jesus, everybody's confident in his ability to fulfil that role? Probably not. Um, but there are a lot of positives when it comes to uh, to um, Eddie and Ketu, And I think sometimes we... You know we get into this cycle of you know always wanting a shiny brand new toy and we forget that Mikel Arteta really loves this guy and if we're going to stand there singing we've got super Mikel Arteta he knows exactly what we need then sometimes we just have to back off and trust uh, that he knows exactly what we need in the forward position and that if he thinks Eddie's good enough then Eddie is good enough and um yeah it was uh it was really really great to see him break the deadlock and um, you could see by celebration what that goal meant to him uh wonderful wonderful start and that was what 26 minutes in that period just before that goal and from then up to half time arsenal were excellent and bukayo saka got the second goal uh just what seven minutes later again they failed to clear a corner properly and this time saliba was involved on the right hand side the ball got worked inside to uh to Bukayo Saka, once he shifted it onto his left foot and he created that little bit of space, again, you knew exactly what was coming. It's that ruthlessness that these boys are showing now that they maybe didn't show, you know, 18, 24 months ago that for me proves and indicates and shows that they're improving as footballers, not just in terms of their skill, like the technical aspect of it. So like for Bukayo Saka, it's not just about his ability to kind of cut inside and bend one into the far corner. You could do that on the training ground under no pressure, uh, with no crowd watching, probably a million and one times and get it right. You know, that's, that's not what this is about. It's not just about the technical skill. It's about having that belief and confidence in yourself to A, create those chances and then B, just. Believe in yourself to kind of take the game by the scruff of the neck and make something happen. And Bukayo Saka is getting better and better at that. He's becoming more and more of a moments player, uh, which is what I really, really love. And Eddie Nketiah as well, as I say, where confidence might be a little bit more fragile because he's not in the starting lineup week in, week out. He doesn't get the coverage and the love that Bukayo Saka does. But I mean, you know, that was a a real positive start to his Premier League season as well. Um, Right. Let's talk uh, about. Yuri and Timber, because he picked up a knock right at the end of the first half. He actually committed a foul. And in the coming together, he seemed to sort of hold his leg as he went down. And, um, you know, that meant that he was down on the ground for a good couple of minutes. The physios came on, they assessed the situation, they allowed him to come back onto the pitch. He went in at half time, uh, but then he came back out. And unfortunately, just a couple of minutes in to the second half, he pulled up with an injury, an injury that looks pretty severe, which is really, really bad news for us. Brand new sign in, lots of excitement around him. I think he's been excellent so far. Um but it doesn't look good. And and that's the truth. Mikel Arteta was asked in the press conference post match if if he was okay to go back on after half time, Almost suggesting that what should have happened was Urian Timber should have been withdrawn at that point. What I will say is I don't think the two Injuries, or the knock that he got in the first half, and the injury he sustained in the second half, are related. Um, I I don't see anything that gives me the impression that they are related, or that anything the medical staff could have done um, would have prevented this. You know, listen, people are already getting onto the the club doctor and all the rest of it, and because of that decision to send him back out in the second half, a lot of the time. Unless these medical experts have a scan in front of them to be able to look at the ins and outs and, and really make a thorough assessment, a lot of the time they're relying on what the player is saying. You know, is the player comfortable? Uh, they'll try certain movements, ask the player if he can feel this, feel that, and they'll kind of go through a diagnostics test, if you like, and try to establish whether or not there's anything to be concerned about. According to Mikel Arteta, urian Timber said he was absolutely fine to go back on the pitch. Um, it I'm not even sure it was the same leg. So I don't know why people are getting onto the club doctor and all the rest of it. But the movement, which Mikel Arteta described to us in the radio room as a weird movement, was one that as soon as it happened, you could see there was a problem. The way he grabbed his sort of the back of his knee, hit the ground, um, you know, and, and to do that at that point, when you're kind of the last man as well, If you go down, you're going down because you've really got a problem. So looking at where he was on the pitch, looking at uh, his reaction and just looking at Mikel Arteta's face when he explained after the game that he was worried about it. I've really got a bad feeling about this. Now, there will be, of course, um, you know, further assessments to take place. And I think in due course, we'll know a little bit more about the severity of this problem. But to me, it doesn't look good. And that is really, really disappointing. The concern at left back is, you know, Zinchenko isn't fit enough yet to be a part of a match day squad. Kieran Tierney was left out today. And as I mentioned earlier, there are talks um, or, or there are rumours that he is going to be on his way between now and the end of the transfer window. Tommy doesn't totally convince me at left back. I know some people think he's more than capable of doing that job. To me, it, it just doesn't really uh, work not as well as Timber does or as Zinchenko does anyway so this is this is potentially a problem for us and um yeah I mean I don't want to jump to too many conclusions I don't want to get too upset about it or or sort of curse our luck too much because there's a chance that it isn't as serious as first feared uh but it just didn't look good I have to say that and um you know normally you kind of get a bit of a feeling from a manager when you speak to him and look Mikel Arteta won't know the exact extent of the damage because he you know like us had the rest of the game to get on with and had to watch the game and he'd have had a conversation with his medical staff of course he'd have had a conversation with Urian Timber when he came off the pitch they were uh having some sort of discussion so he'll know more than we do and perhaps he doesn't want to let anything on but yeah, he won't know the full extent at this point. Nobody does. And and that's why we're kind of going to be stewing over this now uh, for the next sort of 24, 48 hours, maybe even longer until the club uh, decide to give us an update. But generally speaking on the second half, so that happened right at the start, 47 minutes uh, on the clock, two minutes into the second half. The start of the second half for me was too slow. Um, there wasn't enough zip and tempo to our game. The intensity level really, really dropped. We weren't clinical enough, not just in terms of shooting at goal, but in terms of being decisive and playing passes that little bit earlier that would have pulled this Nottingham Forest side apart. And there were more spaces at that point in the game. As I said, the minute Eddie Nketiah broke the deadlock, Forest's game plan went out the window. They still didn't fully commit to sort of pushing people forward and and opening up spaces uh, in desperate sort of need of an equalizing goal. But when it went to 2-0, they did start to take a few more risks, a few more gambles. And there was space for Arsenal on the transition, but we never really took advantage of any of those situations. I've seen a few people, some colleagues of mine, friends of mine that are not Arsenal supporters, that sort of took to social media to say it was complacency. I don't think it was complacency. I don't think we've got that in this team anymore. I think that this is an environment where everybody is constantly um, challenged to do better. The, the The increase in the expansion in quality in the squads adds to that. Mikel Arteta is a really, really intense guy. I don't believe that what happened was the Arsenal players just got cocky and as a result took their foot off the gas and everything slowed down and all the rest of it. I don't see it like that. I think this was a classic example of an early season game where not everybody's quite at 100%, where you kind of go through lulls in games like you did in pre-season, where you really exert loads of energy and then there'll be times where you take your foot off the gas. And I just think that we kind of got a wake-up call and a reminder of what the Premier League is all about. You know, Nottingham Forest, it's not like Nottingham Forest started creating a load of chances and Arsenal were just, you know, were fortunate up until a certain point. Eventually, Forrest's great play paid off and they managed to get a goal back and make it nervy at the end. Forrest created nothing, literally nothing. I don't remember them creating a single clear-cut opportunity apart from one right at the very start of the game when it was nil-nil. I think it was Brennan Johnson that went through on goal, opened up his right foot and he put it uh, wide of Aaron Ramsdale's near post. I think this was tired legs. I think this was um, this was just you know, the players not being at 100% so early on in the season and, um, the fitness levels thing, it will get better. If we're still talking about this four, five, six, seven games into the season, then I will accept that there's maybe something to be a little bit concerned about. But at this moment in time, not too much of an issue for me. It isn't great when you're cruising in a game and then you end up biting your nails at the end of it and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, um, it is what it is. You know, we got the three points. That's what you want on the opening day of the season. We take it and we move on. Uh, look, people in the chat saying that I'm just making excuses. No, I'm no, I'm being realistic. I don't think with the exception of one or two performances in the Premier League, any manager will come away on the first day of the season and say, everything worked today and everything was spot on. That's just the way it goes. Um, that's just the way it goes. Could Mikel Arteta have made some substitutions a little bit earlier to freshen things up? I think, you in, uh, not you in Tim, but Leandro Trossard maybe could have come on a little bit earlier. Um, you know, when he comes on, he seems to bring energy. He seems to be a really, really good impact player at the moment. Uh, we're going to talk about Kai Havertz in a minute, because I know that that is a point that a lot of people uh, would like to discuss. Um, but yeah, may, maybe, maybe that is something that you could throw at Mikel Arteta as a bit of a criticism. But again, we're being hindsight merchants. Um, the goal that, Forrest scored, wonderful breakaway play. I thought Alanga did really, really well. Got down that left-hand side, cut it back to Awani, who I was surprised didn't start the game, given the problems he caused us when we faced them in May. Um, and it was a good goal from Forrest. But as I say, outside of that, they didn't do uh, an awful lot. So I can't say that the, the game got away from us. That would be incorrect. You know, that that wouldn't be true. Um, what happened was we got done on one counter-attacking situation in one transition, and that caused the game to be nervy. The truth is, given how dominant we were, we probably should have found the net a third time, which would have made Taiwo Awani's goal on 83 minutes nothing more than a consolation. Big shout out to everyone joining us in the live chat at the moment. Big shout out to my friend Stell uh, from the No Choftes podcast as well. Uh, good to see you, man. He says, interested to see Odegaard's heat map. Look to be playing wide right for a lot of the game. He does drift out into that kind of right-sided half space a lot but he seemed to do it a little bit more today because Kai Havertz at times was popping up on that right-hand side in the second half as well maybe they were crowding each other's space a little bit I don't know um but yeah um he he does tend to do that quite a bit Martin Odegaard um we're going to get on to Havertz in a minute so I'm going to save the the Havertz comments um but we're going to take a really really short pause Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're brand new, get involved in the comments and we'll come to those very, very shortly. Be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast with me, Harry Simeon, on our first post-match podcast of the Premier League season. It's gone dark outside all of a sudden. I look blue because the moonlight is shining on me. Beautiful. Is it moonlight or is the sky just still blue? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on there. Let's talk about uh, some other talking points because there are uh, a fair few to discuss. Uh, we've done the Uri and Timber thing. Bit of a scare there. Let's talk about Kai Havertz. What did I make of Kai Havertz's performance? Well, I thought, I thought at Wembley he was really good. I thought he did a really good job of holding up the ball when we were able to get it that far. Damien Hill says, moonlight, it's broad daylight. Not here, it's not. Um, Yeah, I thought he did a really good job at Wembley of of holding the ball up. I thought he did a really good job of bringing others into play. I thought he did a really good job of when the ball did come up to him, using his kind of... um, his body and his size to hold people off and just buy himself that little bit of time using those long legs of his to kind of set the ball out quite away so that nobody could come around either side of him and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, I, that, that was my assessment of his performance at Wembley. And I have to say, I expected him to continue up front today. I was really surprised when he didn't. And my worry with Kai Havertz in the left eight role is not that, it's not a, a massive one and, I, and I'll explain why because he's still adapting to that and he's still learning that and he's still learning what it means in our system. But, you know, he just feels a little bit lost in games when he plays in that position. And it's a shame because he is so talented. There were a good few times today where he won the ball back, uh, where he made good recovery challenges, where he played tight passes in tight spaces to teammates and that helped us to be able to sort of lure defenders in and create spaces wide that then Martinelli could use um, so I, I don't think it was a terrible performance from Kai Havertz but I understand why people are saying it wasn't amazing was it underwhelming is that the right word to use I don't think that's the right word to use because that would be kind of doing him a bit of a disservice but look his pass accuracy for a player who is in the final third most of the time and therefore is often going to look for uh, those killer breakthrough passes, 88.2% completion rate. Pretty good. Three progressive passes, two key passes. Um, he had two shots. Both of them were blocked. He committed four fouls, um, which I guess is, I mean, it shouldn't be an issue. shouldn't be a concern. Um, but I just, you know, I don't really want to see Kai Havertz making fouls. I want to see him um, you know, sort of trying to impact the game in a in a more offensive way. But I guess a lot of those fouls would have come when Forrest were threatening to break away. Tactical fouls, as Pep Guardiola calls them. Six progressive carries of the ball, ten progressive passes received, five touches in the box, um, one interception. Didn't win as many aerial duels as he did um, the other day. But look, at the end of the day, I thought he had an okay game. Uh, I thought he had an okay game. It wasn't amazing, but it certainly wasn't bad. And if you read Twitter and you listen to some of the idiots on there, with all due respect, you would think that Kai Havertz had an absolute stinker. And that certainly wasn't the case. He is still learning this system. He's still developing in Mikel Arteta's side. He's still trying to get a good full deep understanding of what it is that he's going to be asked to do in this side moving forward so I'm not concerned Um, there are games you can get away with it today was one of them at home to Nottingham Forest you won't get away with it at Anfield for example you won't get away with it at Manchester United for example so it is very much horses for courses and and going back to what I said right at the start of the show when we talked about um, when we talked about sort of what Mikel Arteta asked for uh, in terms of having that extra midfielder and why he essentially decided to put Thomas Partey in that hybrid right-back slash central midfield role. He talked about needing to occupy certain spaces along the well, within the final third in order to try and unpick uh, the lock of Nottingham Forest's defence. And Kai Havertz, a lot of the time, was occupying those spaces, maybe not getting the ball as much as he would like. But... Yeah, I, there was obviously some instruction there, but yeah, look, people aren't going to give this guy credit until he scores a hat-trick someday. You know, that's <laughs> that's the way it's going to be because of the division around the opinion uh, or the division, yeah, with regards to his signing. When you've got that kind of division before somebody's even walked in the door then it's going to be difficult for that player to win you over. And I'm just not going to cast too many judgments on him at this stage. David Van Derven, thank you so, so much for your kind Super Chat donation. I really, really do appreciate it. He says, Kai's confusion was a byproduct of our preseason. No continuity. Also, Eddie's goal flattered to deceive as it was deflected. And he had no build-up play. Um, I agree with the first point about Kai Havertz's confusion around what that role necessarily entails um, due to preseason. And you're right. There wasn't much continuity. Sometimes he was playing left. Sometimes he was playing through the middle as a central striker. Only last week he played at centre forward, and then this week he drops back into the midfield. Um, yeah, I, I I think he did okay today. It, not not brilliant, but it isn't worthy of anybody. It wasn't a performance worthy of heavy criticism, and that's what I can't understand. I can't understand why people are so keen and willing to jump on his back. Uh, What else have we got? It's so funny. Um, Harry Kane uh, has joined Bayern Munich today, as everybody knows. Um, And uh, I've been sort of mocking my Spurs supporting friends who were in bits this morning, if we're being honest. Um, And I've been saying to them, guys, within 12 hours of his official signing, he's going to win a trophy with Bayern Munich. And I've just seen at the time of recording, as we're live, that they are 2-0 down to RB Leipzig uh, in the German Super Cup final. Has the Harry Kane curse travelled to Germany? If Bayern don't win the Bundesliga, my God, my God. Um, Anyway, let me just have a quick glance at my notes. Is there anything else that I wanted to discuss? I wanted to touch on Thomas Partey's role uh, today because, I mean, I think Thomas Partey, when he's in midfield and he's playing anything close to his maximum, he's excellent. I really, really do. Um, I think he is brilliant at breaking lines. I think he's so good at picking up Bukayo Saka on that right-hand side, I think on the ball, there was no problems whatsoever. I don't think there was a major problem off of it, but I do worry about him when he's tucking into that right-back position. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, I do think we're a bit vulnerable there. And yeah, that that is something that we've probably got to be aware of in certain games. Um, and I think that Mikel Arteta felt he could get away with it today. It was a bit of a gamble from the off, but it was a calculated one. It was one that he'd obviously thought a lot about judging by how well and and sort of how in-depth he discussed it post-match, you, you kind of get the feeling that it was something that he put a lot of thought into, something that he was probably thinking about last season. If you remember back at the end of the campaign, once the title was gone, we did see, didn't we, Thomas Partey playing at right-back from time to time, Jakub Kivio playing at left-back from time to time. We saw a little bit of experimentation then. So this thing of all, all of a sudden the season started and Mikel's playing around with stuff. No, this has been coming for a little while. Um, but yeah, at right back, I'm not so sure. On the ball in midfield, though, I thought he was majestic. I thought it was brilliant and uh, really, really enjoyed his performance. Um, Kieran Tierney, not in the squad at all. As I say, continued speculation about his future. Where will he be come the end of the transfer window? Jorginho returned to the side, which was positive. And another bit of news, that Arsenal uh, dropped after the game is that Marquinhos has gone out on loan to Nantes, uh, the French side. So he'll be playing there for the season. Hopefully he gets the minutes he needs to develop. And look, with Marquinhos, I think this is very much one that Arsenal are going to try and build up again uh, in order to be able to sell uh, a year down the line. I don't really see him having a future at Arsenal at this point. I think if he was there yet, and I think Mikel would have integrated him in the squad, given that we don't have another out-and-out right winger as well. Those are kind of all my points uh, from the game today. So a shambles uh, when we arrived at Emirates Stadium with regards to the ticketing. Uh, the club have put out uh, an apology. They emailed uh, all the members to apologise for the shit show that was the e-ticketing uh, admission uh, situation earlier today. Not the ideal prep for the game. I think that may be impacted on the way the match started. Uh, but once Arsenal got going around about 20 minutes, they did look really, really strong. The second half was a bit of a damp squib from an Arsenal perspective in that they were just a little bit lacklustre, not doing things quick enough, sharp enough, but it wasn't bad, I didn't think. There, there was something missing. There was a cutting edge missing, but it wasn't. i never felt until Forrest scored, which was probably the only real chance they created, that the game was in jeopardy so or that the three points were in jeopardy so i can't sit here and say the whole second half was a disaster the last seven minutes plus stoppage time were a little bit nervy because of the circumstances off the back of getting caught out uh, for that uh, Taiwo awani goal i'm going to leave it there in terms of my points um i'm going to take another very very short pause but i'd love you guys uh, to fill up the chat box with some questions and we'll do eight to 10 minutes of your questions. So start getting them in. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. Uh, Just 145 likes on the board. Guys, with the amount of you watching, there's no reason that we shouldn't have at least 250 likes. It really, really does help. Pushes the video up in terms of the algorithm, gets more eyes on it, which gets more eyes on the channel. And then we can get towards our target of 30,000 subscribers on here uh, much, much quicker. We're on a roundabout. Uh, before we started this we were on around about i think 29.1 uh, so we're getting there slowly uh, we, we're within a thousand of the magic target and if you are listening on audio and you only listen on audio well why not come over and subscribe to our youtube channel as well and give us a bit of a helping hand uh, just while you guys are filling up the chat box with your questions remember uh tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow early evening uh, the guna talk tv's live podcast takes place at the mild may club in London, N16. Doors open at 5pm. The show starts at 6. Tom Canton, uh, who I was at the game with today, is really, really excited about it, as he should be. He's done a wonderful job of putting this event together. Myself, FK from The Latte Firm, Mike Feinberg from The Gooners Pod, and Bailey Keo from Your Boys are going to be on the panel. Uh, it should be great, great fun. There are still a few tickets left. Uh, so if you are interested, the link is in the description below uh get your ticket come down let's have a drink together let's talk castle together and it should be uh, a really really uh, good evening but yeah uh check it out right short pause and then your questions for the rest of the show okay uh let's get back to the chat box then um delisu says um who would you play at left back with injuries to zinchenko and timber i think at this point it's got to be tomiyasu but i don't trust Tomiyasu to do the inverted part well enough because I don't think that Tomiyasu is technically that great. Um, I know people are going to disagree with that and they're going to say, but he can pass with his left foot too. I I just don't think that he's got the composure on the ball or the vision or the ability to break lines in the way that Zinchenko does or that Timber does. Um, Kivior is an option as well, but he is very much a centre-back for me as well. Um, so it's a difficult one. I'm hoping that Timber's not out long-term. If he is, then I'm hoping that Zinchenko gets back to full fitness sooner rather than later. As far as I know, Zinchenko's back in training. So he shouldn't be too, too far away. Um, but yeah, obviously the Timber is a blow, but for, for the time being at this moment in time, for example, if you're asking me who should play there against Palace next week, then I'm going with Tommy Yasu at this moment in time, assuming that Zinchenko's not ready yet. Uh, what else have we got? Um. Pete Geary says, do you think Tierney being sobbed may be put on hold if Timber is out for a few weeks? I think he's going to be out for more than a few weeks, unfortunately. I hate to say it, but that's just kind of the feeling I got. Um, yeah, I mean, particularly in the case that we find ourselves in right now, right, which is Real Sociedad have expressed an interest in Kieran Tierney, but they want to take the guy on loan. Well, that doesn't work for us. You're either going to cough up some serious money, which allows us to either go and get somebody else in, Um, allows us to recoup some of the money that we've spent this summer, allows us to um, sort our situation with regards to FFP, because obviously there are rumours and suggestions that the reason we're signing David Raya on loan initially is because we need to dance around FFP a little bit. Then why would you let him go and weaken the squad? To what benefit? To what end? Yes, Tini might be asking to go because he's not getting the game time that he wants, but sometimes as a manager, you have to be ruthless and put the team... um, team first. And so I wouldn't loan T&E out at this point. If you're going to, if you're talking about a sale, I'd consider it obviously if the price was right as well. Uh, Salah Hedin says, uh, Harry, people need to calm down and be patient. I think rivals and Arsenal fans will be in, with a, in for a shock with the tactics that Mikel was exploring with his team thoughts. Well, he always talks about being adaptable. We've talked throughout the summer about the fact that when he's been identifying transfer targets, versatility has been right at the top of the wish list. And, um, and that suggested in itself that we were going to see variation to our game, that we were going to see different tactical approaches. And so, yeah, w- you know, we shouldn't be too surprised um, by the fact that he's going to tinker with things here and there. He'll also probably feel now that he's got the squad to do that. And in previous years, he didn't. So he's probably got a lot more confidence and faith in the group that he is left with. And as a result, we'll be more open to making changes. Uh, Kenny says, "How much, ex- how many excuses do you still have in your bank? Because this will be a long season. How are you so negative after one game, a game that we won, by the way? Like, honestly, sometimes I sit here and I read some of the comments. Right, listen, I respect everybody's opinion. Okay, you can have an opinion that is the complete opposite to mine. If you put it across in a in, in a good way and you explain it well, I will listen and I will take it into consideration and I will think about it. I really will." Um, I love debate. I love listening to people that have different views to mine. I love taking all of that in. I love challenging my own views by processing the views of, of people that have a completely different outlook on stuff. But this is nonsense. This is somebody moaning about Arsenal winning their first game of the season. We were not at our brilliant best today. Nobody said we were, but we won the game. We experimented a little bit. We got away with it. We won the game. Fitness levels will be higher going into the next game. All the rest of it. And considering so many people say we peaked too early last season, I can't believe people are losing their shit this early on this season. Had Forrest come back and drawn the game two-two, I'd be with you. I would be with you. I really would be. But they didn't. So let's um, let's let's lay off it. It's not excuses. I'm giving you explanations. As to why I personally think, it's my opinion, as to why I think certain players are still not quite at 100%. I'll tell you who's not at 100% as well right now in this Arsenal team. But nobody will say it because he's a fan favourite and we've just paid £100 million for him. Declan Rice isn't 100% there yet. Declan Rice is not performing at the level that we all know he's capable of. Why? because last week he was playing as an eight, this week he's playing as a six, and he's still getting used to the system, the ideology, which is completely different to what he dealt with uh, with David Moyes for all those years. It takes time. When you bring new signings in, sometimes they need a bit of time to figure things out, to feel completely at home. Now, Declan Rice can sit and talk about the lads being a great bunch and how they've made him feel welcome and all the rest of it, and how he feels like he's been here for years. But on the pitch, there are still things that he needs to learn too. So all I'm saying is stop jumping to conclusions. Um, The same people that are moaning now about us not being perfect every week are the same people that wanted Mikel Arteta sacked a year ago. So, yeah, um, let's just chill out a little bit. Uh, M says, Harry, are you concerned with Arsenal's lack of ability to kill off teams and put games to bed early? Uh, It's a common theme under Mikel. Uh, We often give new uh, teams a new lease of life and we have nervy endings um it's not a massive concern of mine because i think when you create chances you know that if a manager sets out a team that is able to create chances able to dominate the game then he's done his job and it's then on the players to be ruthless and finish games off right Mikel arteta doesn't take shots from the edge of the box Mikel arteta doesn't um you know attack corners and all the rest of it so if he's creating the environment in which we create enough chances as a team, then I think you've got to look at the players sometimes for not being clinical enough. Just going back to Declan Rice, he had a couple of chances to put the game to bed, didn't he? Um, The one that was saved onto the post by Matt Turner. And then there was another one that Matt Turner saved the Declan Rice sort of volley where he kicked it down uh, into the ground. Um, So yeah. Uh, Paul Nielsen says, um, Harry, speaking of Spurs, what happened to dan deluca uh he used to visit your shows missed those great discussions you used to have best regards paul um i was actually whatsapping with dan deluca a little bit earlier on today we'll get we'll get him on uh we'll get him on over the next few days let's um have a chat about the season and we can get his perspective on spurs as well i mean we'll enjoy listening to the moan and cry about the fact that <laughs> about the fact that um uh you know spurs could be finished without Harry Kane. Are they finished? Uh, Jokes aside, I think they're going to do quite well under Ange Postacoglu. I think he's a good manager. I really do. Uh, Alex says, do you think Arteta is being too conservative with his substitutions? We have some squad depth and I think we could rotate more off the bench earlier in games. Uh, Yeah, yeah. um, That that was something I, I sort of highlighted a little bit earlier in that he could have probably brought a couple of players on, uh Leandro Trossard being a good example to freshen things up a little bit earlier in the game. I thought like Martinelli faded a little bit. We seem to always make Bukayo Saka play 90 minutes. Martin Odegaard was good today, but not at his best. Kai Havertz maybe could have come off, although he went into the centre forward position when Enketia was replaced by Trossard. So, yeah, I mean, there's an argument that says that for sure, for sure. Um what else have we got? Uh, Snipe.Genius, who's been a member, by the way, for 12 months. Thank you um, for your support, mate. It says, big up, uh, Harry. Kai Havertz has impressed me. I think he's done okay, too. I think he's done okay, too. Um, to Alistair Ben says, did we lose? Because judging by the chat, it looks like we lost it. You'd think that, wouldn't you? You really, really would. Uh, right. I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, kids are in bed Saturday night. Bit of boxing. Bit of match of the day. Always good to watch match of the day when Arsenal win. Um, and a, there's a nice cold beer in the fridge with my name on it. Uh, after a busy day's work, it was great to be back at the Emirates reporting on an Arsenal game, a Arsenal Premier League game. Um, always good to be back. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go and put my feet up. Need a, a nice break. Not sure there's going to be a podcast tomorrow just because we're doing the live show, uh, the Kuna Talk TV one. Uh, calm down if you fancy a podcast tomorrow. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely be back on Monday if not, Uh, Maybe we'll get an announcement around Raya or something tomorrow that will prompt me into action. Uh, But yeah, at this moment in time, I'm planning to put my feet up uh, around the live podcast. I will obviously go there and I won't put my feet up on the table at Tom's podcast. But you you get the gist of of what I'm trying to say. Right. I'm going to leave you uh, once again with the goals from Arsenal's 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new. That really, really does help. And I'll see you all very, very soon. Until next time, goodbye. For
1: Arsenal, looking to take on his man. Brilliant energy from Martinelli. Inside to Enketia. He makes room for the shot and scores. Eddie Nketiah finds the breakthrough for Arsenal. A wonderful goal created by Gabriel Martinelli on the left-hand side but when he worked it inside to Eddie Nketiah, he made no mistake with the finish, he shifted it out of his feet, only had one thing on his mind and fires past Matt Turner to put Arsenal in front. Arsenal 1, Nottingham Forest 0. Now Saka on the edge of the box, can he make room for the shot? He does, and Bukayo Saka scores a screamer. Arsenal are 2-0 up. Bukayo Saka with a wonderful effort from the edge of the box, he curled it into the far corner. And Matt Turner on the stretch could do nothing about it. Arsenal 2 Nottingham Forest 0. Driving down the left-hand side he's done really well here Elanga he'll get to the byline Elanga low ball across the penalty area and Ale turns one in. the two substitutes combine and Nottingham Forest are back in this with around about eight minutes of normal time to play.